Well, good morning. Shalom. Shalom. My name is Andrew. I am the butler to the king's table. And I wanted to tell you a little bit of the story that you've all read about before, about our king, David, and his kindness to Jonathan's son. Now, you're wondering, if you're the butler to the king's table, why are you dressed up in a tuxedo? Well, probably because if I was dressed in what the king would have me wear, it might freak you out. So here I am in a little bit of a modern-day formal wear. I just wanted to let you know. But I wanted to share with you, not just reading from the Scripture, which you all have here in your own books, but also to give you the story from the perspective of the man who stood at the king's table serving the king every day. And I want to read to you from my scroll. Samuel had written a lot of this, and after he had died, somebody else had picked up the pen and continued. And he said this, David asked, Is there anyone still left in the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? At your service, he replied. The king asked, Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in both feet. Where is he? the king asked. And Ziba answered, He is at the house of Machir, son of Emiel, in Lodibar. So King David had him brought from Lodibar, from the house of Machir, son of Emiel. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to him to pay him honor. And David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring him the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, Your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servants to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a son, a young son named Micah, and all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. He was lame in both feet. Father God, bless this message to this congregation. Let them understand that the king's table is not just something of the past, but something of today. Amen. You know, back when I was serving David, way back before he became king, while he was still on the run, we didn't eat at a table. We ate around a campfire. We had to shoot whatever we could find. 
we basically, our equipment was bow and arrow, some knives to cut up what we had, and a torch to light so that we could feed the people. And I'll tell you what, on the run, it is not easy. Now, these days, you've got people, they, they sit up in a tree and they wait, and, and they use these boomsticks and Okay, and that's fun. But when you're on the run because somebody's chasing you, you have to go chase your food at the same time. How difficult is that to feed a thousand men? Uh, oh, by the way, they're warriors, so they're hungry. They like to eat. So they turn to someone like me and say, hey, where's the grub? And I'll say, well, if you dig some grub out of the ground, but that's not good enough. So we had to feed them. Faithfully, we worked to make sure that the king's men were fed. So when the king became in his throne, he made me butler to his table. And so here I am nowadays, and we eat off of fine plates and beautiful silverware and all these nice things. And every day I set up the king's table with all these beautiful plates and scrumptious food and beautiful drink and wonderful decorations, and it's a lovely time. But I never forget the hardships. I never forget what brought us here. Because there are times when you look back and you say, if it wasn't but the grace of God, I'd still be out in the field chasing my food and being chased by others. But God gave David peace. And God gave David prosperity. Because David obeyed the king, the king of kings. And as I'm setting this table before all of you, I want to remind you that God is inviting you to his table too. Why? Well, because he loves you. And David, I'll tell you, here's the funny thing about David. He had a loyalty that was unstoppable. A loyalty to the Lord and a loyalty to his people. And it wasn't just the people who followed him, it was to his entire country. Everyone who was under his leadership. Because he realized that we, he may have been the king to them, but he also realized that he was still their servant. Because a leader must still serve. So he was fulfilling the promises of God with making sure that it was through the provisions that God would give him that he would then provide for those in his kingdom. He also realized that when you think about it, under Saul who was also king, David was there as part of the, the royal court. But what happened? God took, took that kingdom away from Saul. You see, these earthly kingdoms are temporary. God is our king over all kings. We have this term today, king of kings. Who is that king of kings? Somebody can answer that. Jesus Christ. Because he is the king over all kings. So it doesn't matter whether you're a servant or whether you are behind a throne. You still are subject to the king of all kings. But I'll tell you another thing that David did is he kept promises. He had a promise with, with Jonathan. He had a promise to look after his entire household. Jonathan knew out there in the field that he was doomed. Because he was Saul's son. And the kingdom had been taken away from Saul. And yet, what did David do? He said, I will make sure that I have taken care of you and your family. 
Well, there wasn't many left. In fact, apparently there was only one left, Mephibosheth. And yet, what did, you, what did David do? He saw to it that those promises were kept. And I think the thing that really strikes me, every time I look at this recount, he asks this question. Right here, he says, Is there anyone to whom I can show God's kindness? That's powerful. Your kindness is never going to be enough. You must show the kindness of God Almighty Himself. Otherwise, it will never have any effect on anyone that God brings you to. You must bear that in mind. It is vital to remember. So here I am setting the king's table. Scrumptious food, wonderful drink, and all these things. But we understand that this is God's provision. It's not for us. It's not something we've done. It is what God has provided to us. When you think about it, what do we eat? I have here some grapes. Did I make these grapes? No. Now, even if I was a, a vine dresser, what am I doing? I'm taking God's creation. I'm planting it in the ground. I'm tilling. I'm toiling. But it's all what God is doing to the seed and to the vine and to the branches and to the fruit. We merely tend it. We merely pluck and tend and care for and keep it going. This is bread. I love bread. Can you tell? You know, there's another thing. The Lord lets me eat here at his table because I'm serving this table. And I think what we need to bear in mind is those that serve us, we should show kindness to as well. Whether it's somebody at a fancy feasting restaurant or if you're getting your food through a window, please be kind to those who are serving you. But here I have this bread. Okay, Yes, you can take the weed and grind it up and put some, some milk and some water into it and mix it and knead it and bake it and everything else and pour lots of butter on it and cheese and whatever else. But all of this still is God's provision. This is still the table of the king. We are merely tending it. We're merely stewards of it. Same thing with our drink here. As we pour the drink, we realize that, yes, we may have crushed the grapes. Yes, we may have processed whatever drink it is. But this is still God's provision. And these are still God's kindness that he gives us. But also something I want everybody to remember as we go forward. As Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, approached David, and David said, you're going to eat at my table. What did he say that was so profound? Who am I that you should see a dead dog like me? Well, I got news for you. When it comes to God's children, there are no dead dogs. I'm going to say that again for emphasis. When it comes to God's children, there are no dead dogs. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, what somebody else has done to you. It doesn't matter what they look like, 
what abilities they have, what inabilities they don't have. There are no dead dogs in God's kingdom. What, what God sees is a beautiful heart, a beautiful mind, somebody who was made in his own likeness. How many of you have children? Or how many of you ever seen children that say, looks just like you? Why? You have been made in the image of your parents, but you've also been made in the image of God. And so you look just like the image of God, because that's what you are. You are no dead dog. And any of you who may be struggling with that, that, that gnawing, I want you to put that away because you are not a dead dog. So let me also point something else out that I think is important. We talk about David, we talk about Jesus, and how many of the times we see that they're quite in parallel with each other. Jesus talked about a feast. In fact, he talked about a feast for the kingdom. Now, are we all not members of the kingdom? Okay. If you have given your life to Jesus Christ, you are a child of the king. Now, those of you who are familiar with people out in other countries, such as Britain, they have a king, in this case a queen. What are the children called? Prince? Princess? Well, I got news for you. If you are a child of the king of kings, you are a prince or a princess. You are not a dead dog. You are a prince. You are a princess. That doesn't mean you go walking around going, oh, I am a prince. Because even King David said, to whom can I show God's kindness? A prince, a princess will say, to whom can I show God's kindness, the kindness of my king. And that's what I think we need to do as well, is show that kindness as a representative of the king, as that person who can say, that's got to be one of those Christians. That's got to be one of those followers of the king because that's what we represent. That's who we are. That's how we identify ourselves. We are children of the Most High God, the King of Kings. What does that make us? Priests and kings to the Lord. But also, uh, Jesus had something to say about a, a feast. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, one to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to the servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go now to the streets, corners, and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good. 
and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man who was there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. The king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth for many are invited, but few are chosen. If you want to come to the king's table, you must put off the clothes of sin. You must put on the royal garments. How do you do that? I'll tell you this much. Under your own power, you cannot. The royal clothes are given to those who are forgiven of their sin. And they cannot have done that on their own. They must accept the forgiving nature of the Lord Jesus Christ and say, please forgive me. You can't do it for yourself, but Jesus Christ has already paid the price. How did he do that? Through his body and through his blood. And that's the importance of the king's table, to show his kindness and to represent the fact that the table was set for us all to come and dine with him and what he has done for us. You see, when he went to that table before he died, he told them, you take this bread and you eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. He broke his body so that we could be made whole. He took the cup and he said, drink all for all of you for the forgiveness of sins because this is my blood which will be shed for you. You see, back in the time when I was still serving here on this earth, if we wanted forgiveness of sins, we had to go at least capture a turtle dove. Y'all ever tried capturing one of those? They're not easy. Or a pigeon. Or a goat. Or a calf. It seems sometimes the bigger they were, they were easier they were to get. They were just more expensive. And we had to take it to the priest, and the priest had to sacrifice it, and he had to do all the rituals that went with it, and we had to come back and do that every single year. Why? Because it was never enough. And yet Jesus Christ, who sacrificed himself with his body and with his blood, was enough once and for all. And so what we do is we come to the king's table to represent what he has done for us one time, for all time, for all of us. And so what I want to do is invite you to come to this king's table in the form of the communion of today, where we will break bread, where we will partake of this cup, and we will celebrate the goodness and God's kindness of the king's table. I'm going to invite the pastors to come up and join me to help minister in this table so that you understand show God's kindness there are no dead dogs and we are all invited to the banquet once we have put on that garment that only Jesus Christ can provide let's pray God of Abraham we thank you for what you have done in this table and what it represents not just in the old but in the new And that new covenant in giving us your son to die for us, but also to rise again in power. And we ask, Lord, that as we come to this table, that you will give us 
that renewed fresh mind and heart of love and joy and the peace that only you can bring. And we thank you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen.